All right, so I have a pretty extensive docket today. Um, I might actually split it up in two parts. I think the first part <laughs> I need to address <laughs> is the bacheloretification of Drea. People. I get it. I get it. You know, I've been single for three years. Three solid years. And I've gone on maybe less than less than a handful of dates to be honest okay <laughs> less than two handfuls of dates actually i take that back it, it'll it would be less than a handful of dates at this point i'm not sing single and it's still pretty unsure if i'm ready to mingle um and i'm very look i'm really selective about this stuff not because i'm like think I'm some elitist like rare gem but because look it's a lot to explain um there's just a lot of things that are not easily said to people who don't have a context for any of it Ooh, I just found some rosemary sea salt almonds I'm gonna put in my morning cereal um and like, I don't know what, I mean, I, I know there's some eligible bachelors out there. And I know you all basically know because you've either read my Twitter or you've somehow been along on this journey um, in some way or you've heard the rumors or whatever. But look, I'm a foundational kind of person. And for me, information is foundational. I think at some point I started to realize, well, if there's a lot known about me, if I'm already profiled and potentially like to the nth degree of profiling, I mean, you couldn't profile me anymore, then I've already been profiled. So when people say things that are kind of inaccurate, I'm like, look, look, there's a, there's a hard drive somewhere with all Drea content. <laughs> Like everything, there's there's something somewhere, and um, I just want to know who who knows all that stuff. That's it. Um, I want to know. <laughs> I want to know who is knowing. <laughs> it kind of uh, look. Knowledge is power. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Knowledge is power, and I find it really attractive <laughs> when some people have a little more power than others, even if it's in a, um, you know, it used to be that I was okay with it in an unofficial capacity, and then I realized, well, maybe that unofficial capacity should have been official for a reason. Because, you know, it could lead to a whole lot of very hairy circumstances that I don't think anybody really wants to be involved in, to be honest. And then you gotta kind of like, you gotta, it, it's a, and you get dragged into the, you get dragged into things. She were like, I didn't know I could even get dragged into this. I don't even see why anyone's trying to drag me into this. What is it? 
about me that is inviting all of this attention. And now look, I'm a woman and we've been conditioned to blame ourselves for things. To that I say, no more. Um, no more blaming. I'm not blaming myself, okay? I know I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty special. <laughs> My mother has told me for many years I'm very special. <laughs> I don't know necessarily if that was a compliment, but... You know, my mom thinks I'm special, so <laughs> that's all that matters. Um, and then, like, so then there's the official capacity, and that kind of leads to a lot of other questions. A lot of ethical questions of, like, well, what was the official purpose for this? Okay, well, when you learn what the official purpose is, and then you start to kind of ponder it, um, it can lead you quite, or down quite the rabbit hole, I would say, and be a little bit destabilizing, because then you realize your mom isn't the only person who thinks you're special. My mom didn't realize for a long time that other people thought I was really special, <laughs> and I don't know, look, I don't know, sometimes my mom can be really, really hard about things. And very sharp about things and she's very she's almost like a brick wall like you hit a certain point and the rhetoric just starts to loop and so that's how I kind of know you know there's a problem there there's I can't necessarily go any further and this is like a deeply embedded trauma for me because you don't know how many times I have tried to break through to my mother that she's not the only one who thinks I'm special. And in fact, she should be really proud of me or scared for me that some people think that my brain or whatever it is, is pretty special. And these are not typically views I've held of myself, so I'm not gonna sit here and like lend much credence to those claims of my uniqueness, but I'm not gonna deny them, if you know what I mean. It's a delicate balance. And I think that balance is important to strike, especially as a woman, because when you start getting thrust into the voice bachelorettes and the information bachelorette, the Twitter spaces, it's kind of like, well, how do you know I didn't already decide? I mean, just, just think about it. How do you know I haven't already decided? How do you know I don't already know deep in my heart there is, um, there is a thing that is going on in an officially unofficial capacity and it could be construed one of two ways depending on whether you're on the official side or the unofficial side. <laughs> now, let me make something clear. There are a lot of people on the unofficial side <laughs> and not very many people on the official side. Um, and unfortunately for the unofficial side, I trust the official side a little bit more because in order to get a fit, be official, officialized, <laughs> made official, 
um, you have to be really heavily vetted. So as a security layer, there's that. But that's not the thing I'm primarily focused on. Like the security aspects of that are just to me really hot. What can I say? It's a little bit self-aggrandizing because of what I do. Um, but it's also like, well, should the official and the unofficial ever come in contact and what safety precautions, really what risks are involved when the unofficial tries to get official with an official, <laughs> then we have problems. So now you see why my love life is complicated because you can't just have a normal love life when the official people want to make you an official person or consider you an official person. Um, I can't really say much more than that. All I, all I really can say is that I know who I can really trust and a lot has been done to undermine that trust, I will say. 99% of the things that have gone on with one uh, Mr. Frog have been to undermine that trust because, you know, take away the money, take away the power, take away all the opportunity, and you have men competing against men. This isn't anything that anyone should be surprised by. I'm not surprised by it. I've never been surprised by it. In fact, even when I was younger, I would get hit on by much older men, like pretty frequently. I, for some reason, was a bit too precocious for people my age, men, my, guys my age. And when I'd go on dates with guys my age, it, it was one of, one of two things. Either they're not really their head is in a different place they're thinking about something that's a little too serious for where i was at considering the position i have been in for much of my adult life i would kind of look at them and just think like i know where i'm going in life and i just know that i can never take you with me and you can never meet me there so that feeling is a little bit terrifying you know, when you're a woman in your 20s and you're like, well, all my friends are getting married and some of them already have babies. What am I, you know, but I have this, this path that I want to go on. And I don't really know if I'm going to have, I don't really know if I'm going to have the wherewithal, so to speak, to maintain a relationship with somebody who's going in a vastly different direction because the direction I'm going in is uh, the road less traveled, put it lightly. So as a woman, I mean, as a human being, really, when you're traveling down the road that is not frequently traveled, it becomes more and more apparent that the people you meet are there, um, generally speaking, on the same kind of mission as you. And this becomes more and more apparent as time goes on. So if you find people, even at least one person who you really, um, one, you know, one group of people even who you really trust, and you know you can trust them because 
they have exactly the tools that you need to accomplish some aspect of your mission and you have something that they need well that's how you end up banding together in maybe an unofficial or official capacity and then you discover that the work you're doing is almost like peas and carrots like it just there are two things that go together in some people's mind i don't personally prefer peas and carrots together. I'd rather have them separate, but I understand that this saying lends itself well to perhaps uh, dire situations in which people didn't have the choice to just either eat a lot of peas or a lot of carrots. It was like, well, we're going to mix them together <laughs> because, because, you know, a variety of nutrition is necessary to keep keep us alive um so sorry I'm making that wash um and so you meet people who may or may not have a more official position than you and a lot of access to direct information and so, really, it becomes a matter of, like, weeding out who's here for this, this thing, this mission, and who's not here for it. Who are your friends? Who are your confidants? Who are your informants? Who can you trust? And, you know, a lot of people, when they, when they operate in a similar fashion or they have a similar mechanism... To obtain information, yet it may not be as exclusive nor sophisticated. Nevertheless, it has the capacity to do a lot of damage. Um, well, the only logical thing an unofficial person might might do in that scenario is try to appear official or try to appear aligned with official people. Um, and then if that doesn't work out, because eventually the, you know, human nature in any, literally any, any aspect, are you fucking kidding me? It's snowing. What the hell? Anyways, human nature will eventually come up, out at the end of the day when all, when the gloves are off, when the masks are off, when all the armor's off, human nature will prevail. So if you have an official man and an unofficial man and they one of them's visiting the other and the other is like, well, what are you here for? Is this official business or is this personal business? Well, that gets a little hairy because the official person is, is not going to be able to say or should not say this is official if it's personal, and if it's personal, they should not say it's official, but at the same time, what if it's official and personal? Then you can reveal neither of those things. Um, and so that's going to create a lot of tension in the unofficial person's mind, wherein they start to feel a little angry about it, because the matter, the unofficial matter for them is officially personal. And 
they might suspect that there's some underlying motive there and then try to call fell on the official person pointing to evidence that says, well, the, the woman in question here is actually in love with me. Look at all this content, of unofficial content that points to and indicates that she is indeed in love with me. Well, then we have like a problem because the unofficial person is assuming something, assuming that I'm just a hapless player in this uh, thing, and maybe they might even suspect that. That's not the case. There may, may be something fishy going on here, and as a natural result, might start to feel very intimidated by or angry angered by the official person and so when human nature prevails and i mean primarily with men when the dick starts talking and doing the making the calls um calling the shots well you know, it's only going to lead to a sort of ethical problem for the official person because then maybe they should admit that there's a personal matter involved here. And this personal matter is a bit uh, controversial, although not as controversial as I would like it to be or would have liked it to be at some points. And that, that would have just been for my own sanity um, because I don't like guessing, you know? I don't like guessing who's thinking what, wanting to do what to whom. I don't like thinking about that. Whatever goes on in your, your dick brain is none of my business. Um, and frankly, I'm not all that interested in it because I have important things to handle, people. I have work. Okay, my mom's like, well, it's not bringing in a paycheck. And I'm like, mom, it's because it's bringing in more than paper. So just chill out a little bit. And so then the other thing is this. Well, let's say that an official person meets a speculatively official person and then starts to be... And has a lot of access to a lot of information. And it's just like, wow, I really, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then it spirals from there. Well, my thought has always been, look, I want to say, as long as you're not breaking any rules... As long as you're not breaking any laws, you know, but then the law might change to make this or may, may exist to make some a scenario like this possible. Uh, and so then we have a question of, well, is, the, is there a problem with with the protocol here? And that's kind of that's something that has gone through my mind many, many times. And arguably, it shouldn't really matter because. If it doesn't pertain to my work, 
you know, it's like the equivalent of getting harassed at the office. Let me just make that clear. If it doesn't pertain to my work, then what does it matter to me right now? If I, if I was looking for that, I would either find it or I would approach it in my own way. And that's how a man in the office, for example, would know that this is consensual. And, you know, like if we had to report this to a supervisor or something, then it'd be like, well, as long as our work isn't interfering, but then there's the problem of, well, like, is your work interfering with each other's? Is this going to interfere with both your work? So it gets a little complicated. Um, but then, you know, on the plus side, if you find yourself in like a Mulder and Schooly situation in which it's just really clear to everybody, you work well together, you have that chemistry, um, you're on the same page, you're accomplishing the same things, meeting the same objectives. I just don't see a problem with that. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody in the 90s, every woman at least, was like, Squilly. <laughs> Squilly just bang him. <laughs> He's so sweet. Mulder's so sweet. Just bang him. And I would not disagree with that. I would say, you know, Squilly, if you know what's good for you. <laughs> Just do the damn thing. Nonetheless, we live in the real world and there are protocols in place to pre prevent certain situations from escalating to the point where it becomes unsafe for either party or all parties involved. And now, <laughs> now nobody knows what to do about it. Because really, in the end, it comes down to reproductive rights, <laughs> human rights, women's rights, and our right to choose exactly what we want and who we want without restrictions. It, without, without, let me rephrase, without, within the bounds of the law, without restrictions as to interference. You know, like, is it, is it anybody's right to interfere in somebody else's feelings? That's just manipulation, and in my opinion, I don't think, <sighs> I just don't think it's right. I really just don't think it's right, um, and that's been a very huge pain point for me because I have a concept of something that I really want, and my lack of clarity about it is obfuscating an obvious truth and it's gone on I don't look I don't know the details because I'm not I'm not in anybody's dick brain figuring out when um the when it crossed the threshold between wow this is a very intelligent woman and wow I want to have sex with this woman and I cannot be held liable for what potentially uh, betrothed, <laughs> betrothed men are thinking, okay? I'm not out there trying to hustle for anybody's husband. Um, I'm just being myself and look, I, I'm not trying to, <laughs> not trying to put 
woman on the defense thinking like anytime I come across a married man, I'm going to like hit on somebody's husband. Um, but there are, may or may not be some rare situations in which there's a, a complicated set of circumstances that has led to their, the development of real feelings between one or two or three or maybe ten people. I don't know. I don't know. There's one in every department, apparently. So, then that's also like a weird scenario for me. Look, I'm 36. I am past, I don't know. I mean, am I past my hoe phase? Did I ever have a hoe phase? Honestly, look, I'll be honest. I did have a hoe phase. It was just spread out over most of my adult life because I did not intend to get married until later in life. And it wasn't because I didn't want to, but because this matters, all my work matters more to me than the fulfillment of a very standard goal, okay? Anybody can get married. Anybody can have kids. And I'm not knocking anybody for going that path. And in fact, maybe even doing that in tandem with the same kind of work that I do. So I'm not trying to make an excuse that well, actually, I am trying to make an excuse, because let me be clear. The intersection of personal problems and official problems may or may not have contributed to the dissolution of a relationship that arguably should have been dissolved long before it was dissolved. I'm not saying that I should have stayed, and I'm not saying that I was right for not heeding the signals. Um, but I am saying that in the end, my human nature overrode a lot of my own impulses because I was in love. And I didn't, I, I didn't really have a full uh, framework in my own mind for what I really wanted in a person. And I also didn't have a framework in my mind for how everything I love in life, all the work I do was going to fit into a relationship. That was mainly the problem I was having in my last relationship. I literally never told my ex any of this. I, I said the word blockchain to him once and he was taken aback because he was like, well, how do you even know about that? Like you seem so disconnected from that whole world, which was obviously very volatile, growing, changing, sucking people in, spitting people out. And he saw in me a sort of innate knowledge that was confusing. So when, you know, the first time I saw that reaction in him, I, I just knew that that is literally, I can only say one word to him. And if it's one word, I guess I'm going to choose that one. But that wasn't the total extent of it, all the work that I was doing. And had I told him, I think that would have seriously been dangerous for both of us. But not just that, it would have been dangerous for me. Because I was with somebody who was really dedicated, really dedicated throughout our entire relationship of diagnosing me with a variety of mental illnesses and personality disorders. So I can never actually speak to this person with or truthfully or with clarity 
because he would always accuse me of being crazy. And yeah, my mental health was not well, but the, the things I was saying were not the result of a mental illness. So, obviously when all, all this stuff blew up, I was a bit frazzled, to say the least. But I knew because I understood human nature really well that there are a lot of things about me that would not be appreciated for a normal person, but would be really appreciated by somebody who also understands the struggle of silence. It's a doozy. Um, anytime you're not permitted to speak, it sort of goes against human nature because it is in our human nature to just say what's going on, to let other people into our world, um, to not lie. I honestly think it's not in human nature to lie. Otherwise, we wouldn't have some people constantly putting their foot in their their foot in their mouth and getting themselves in trouble. It's like a mechanism that helps humanity and hurts humanity. So when you have to like approach things from a place of silence, number one, that's the hardest thing that you're ever gonna have to do in terms of communication, because there is a line even in vague communication or even cryptographic communication or meme communication that that in some official capacity can be construed as an attempt to contact or an attempt to do something that may or may not be permissible. So it all really rests in consent. And I've not exactly been in the state of mind to confront the, the idea of consent in this context because it is kind of heavy for me personally. And I don't expect everybody else to understand that. So, I think it's important at that point to be able to separate the official person in their official career from the human. And whatever you find in that side, even if it's from a a official angle I'm sorry I say the word official so many times in this but you know what I mean so if you approach it from that angle well that's a good thing that's a good thing because it's almost like look we all know we're in a high stakes situation here we all know that there's a price on people's heads um, we know this is a very dangerous thing to be involved in and nobody's denying the seriousness of that but at the same time how how do you blow off the the steam that's building up inside when you're like I don't know what it is but I just get this feeling I just have this really distinct feeling that there's somebody out there who's been 
lurking from the bushes. <laughs> and he's been sent to look from the bushes. <laughs> or was at some point. Or, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the overlords or... Maybe the boss was like, this is getting a little too, a little too scandalous. We need to pull back a little bit and see if this person is one, aware of your presence, two, familiar with you in any way. And if that is the case, do they want you to proceed any closer? Because the nature of your job only permits you to proceed a certain distance towards an objective. And then it has to be handed off to people who can remain objective, you know. So that's like the difference between intelligence and enforcement. And that exists, in my opinion, for the safety of, of individuals who may or, may or may not be the subject or a participant in a certain objective so we have a lot of a lot of crosstalk going on a lot of crossfire add into that a psychopathic oligarch and yeah I mean how do you how do you expect a woman to want to think about love when she's thinking about am I gonna live till tomorrow I mean, I don't mean this to unexpectedly drop off a cliff, but how am I supposed to think about that or care? Like, what if I don't even make it till tomorrow? What's the, what's the point? Um, say the person who's really, really been um, doing a lot to protect someone from behind the scenes if they have a relationship and it's maybe not going well maybe they are happy but not like as happy as they know they or feel they could be if they didn't have to bear this burden of silence one because the other person is on the same page and your work intermingles and intertwines so why not but then I don't know it's kind of like well the lines are going to have to be crossed no matter what and it, it may always be for me like an issue of trust and an issue of of well, if you don't come clean with the truth about about why you even wanted to get this close with the people around you, and then you know I'm in this position and you're in this position, knowing well the stakes are incredibly high here, so potentially something you know just the mere meeting itself could be dangerous. And what if what if I get killed and you've left a partner with whom you were reasonably happy um, for all this and then it's over. Then you, you lose two like opportunities there. So it's like a risk assessment, I guess you could say. 
And then there's the, you know, for me personally, there's the fact that I've got options. I don't really have to go down that path. Um, especially knowing that it's going to lead me to even deeper territories that feel uncomfortable to me right now. Although I think that I gravitated towards them very naturally. So I'm not going to like deny myself that. But it would lead me into deeper and deeper territories. Um, and I don't want anyone to feel like, look, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm trying to like use them so I can get access to a certain trove of files that I've always, I feel like I'm already connected to them, even if they're on paper, I already know. I just, I feel an affinity with these certain files. <laughs> And I need to get to the bottom of it for personal reasons and for social reasons. Um, so I don't want anyone to feel like I'm trying to use them for anything. So let's just clear that up. Um, at the same time, all is fair in love and war. <laughs> As they say, if, if I'm fair game in a certain context. Well, so are those files, people. Okay? I feel like access to information is a human right, but that's not to say that you don't have to prove yourself worthy of learning it and stable enough to both analyze and synthesize it into a communicable form. But that's neither here nor there. That's, that's a tangent. I've gotten tangential again. Um, you know, what would, I would ask women, look, I, I just, I would ask of women out there, what would you do? Would you rather be famous? Would you rather be heroic? Would you rather be um, protected? In official in an official capacity or of protected in in an unofficial capacity would you rather be with somebody who already knows a lot about you so you don't have to explain it I mean right down to not having to explain what foods I'm allergic to which is nice because I expect men to cook I expect men to get their asses in the kitchen and cook for their wives and their girlfriends or their partners on more than one occasion. And one very pivotal piece of knowing how to cook for your partner is knowing what they're allergic to, what they like to eat, what they don't like to eat, um, what's good for them. Not so you can tell them what's good for them, but perhaps so you can say, look, you seem a little bit low on zinc. Or maybe a little low on magnesium. <laughs> and it's making... It's, it's complicating the relationship. So here, I'm going to make you a nice nutritious meal. And then we're going to, you know, we'll proceed to the Netflix and chill. Um, so step one. <laughs> it's important to be... Um, it's important to be with somebody who knows you very well, 
Now, that's also the problem because I've always had a problem with the fact that some people know me too well. <laughs> a little too well for my liking, as in digging through my trash, um, finding artifacts of me, hoarding my data. There's all sorts of ways this manifests people. It's not just like, you know, he found your socials and now he knows a lot of things about you, where you live and whatnot. Um, we're talking, <laughs> he might be listening right now. As I speak in real time, we, we're in one of those situations potentially. And I've accepted that, okay? I can accept that because I understand that the stakes are very high right now. So it's important to keep tabs on, um, keep tabs on people. But then, you know, where's the line between keeping tabs on them and then keeping them under thumb? And like, are there levels of coercion going on when this goes from official to personal? And these are all questions I ask myself because really, at the end of the day, you don't know somebody unless you know somebody. Like, you can only know them to such a degree that certain decisions can be made um, with some degree of evidence and this isn't necessarily about whether anyone's hot or not i can tell from voices whether somebody is hot or not let me just make that clear that's my primary mode of figuring out what is hot to me and i can tell a lot from the way people speak Actually, you can, I think, tell arguably more from the way somebody speaks than the look in somebody's eyes. Um, although I would say the look you can see in somebody's eyes is a little bit, is more like a con confirmation of whether the things that are coming out of somebody's mouth are true or not true. So th that's actually secondary to me because I want to hear what's coming out of the heart, you know, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I want to hear what the heart's saying. And often the words that most people rely on to confirm their suspicions are not words that can be said. Um, because that in itself would be like a, a breach, a breach of boundaries, um, potentially a breach of protocol, potentially a signal that, that there's an, an opportunity there, but it's complicated and I don't know. But then again, that can only tell you so much too, because we're human. At the end of the day, look, at the end of the day, I wanna know what the dick is like. <laughs> and there's no way to find that out. I'm not trying to fuck a married man. I know there's a lot of married men out there who, who are like, what? I mean, it's not going so well at home. I'm dissatisfied um, or something has gone wrong or she's cheating on me or whatever. I mean, like, I'm sorry. I mean, I can't account for what your woman's doing behind your back because you're doing something behind her back. I really can't.
And I also can't say that what you're doing is right. And I can't say that what she's doing is wrong. Because I've been in that position where my partner was doing something behind my back. And all I wanted to do was cheat on him. Like, honestly, all I wanted to do was cheat on my ex. Because I always suspected he was doing something behind my back. And he always denied it. And, he, you know, he might not have been lying. But he lies about so many things that... I, I don't, I never knew what to believe. And so even if, even if say the nature of one's job is official and it brings you in contact with somebody who you're developing feelings for because of this contact, even if it's liminal contact. And then something starts to grow from there on both sides. And it's, you know, maybe some, well, some parts are imbalanced, like there's an imbalance of power here. Well, that's, um, you know, that's going to be a vector, a, a point of, or a vector point of attack or an attack vector. Namely by other men, because they're going to be like, <laughs> well, is it even right? <laughs> is it even okay? <laughs> are you even okay with this? All of a sudden, men are going to be very concerned with consent. Even men, and I'm not trying to knock all men, because I know a lot of men do respect consent. But even men who have traditionally or historically not respect, respected consent are going to be like, well, at the end of the day, who's consenting a little more, who's offering a more consentable experience than another? Were you pushed into this? So in the, you know, not, in the not too distant past, the accusation was that this is a form of institutional human trafficking. Well, I had to clarify, no, actually, the person in question here or the people in question here, theoretically, we work on the same team so obviously we like to you know you're at work you find your co-worker kind of attractive because they just know a lot about the things you know a lot about and you know let's face it it's really hot when you don't have to explain things to people especially as the things that you have had to had explained to you have become increasingly hard to bear on your own and potentially at home you go home to a wife that may or may not know everything that you know or may or may not um, connect with that in any way and say you meet somebody with whom everything is like pretty it's not secret knowledge to both of you. It's like, um, you know, a lot of things are just implicit and very few things have to explain unless it comes to a situation where one person is endangering themselves and then another person has to step in and, and be like, I know this scares you, but you just need to trust me when I say we, these parameters have to be put in place.
And that could be a variety of things. It could be restrictive in a, in a very physical and tangible sense, or it could be restrictive in an emotional sense or a theoretical sense, intellectual. Um, and that can go both ways. Like really that could go both ways. So, it's a lot to think about. If, say you're schooly, and you start developing feelings for Mulder, and I'm not saying agency-specific Mulder, it could be any Mulder, any Mulder in any official department, um, and now, like, say there are, like, multiple people um, who have access to the same information and have have identified you as a potential potential love interest, which is human. It's very human, okay? Uh, I would not, I'm not upset that people develop feelings because I would then have to be upset at myself for developing feelings for a somewhat faceless and identityless idea. But the idea itself is largely based on like these these basic principles that I don't want to have to explain to somebody at the whole context of my life over and over and over and over again. I would rather just get to the part where we already understand or at least one person understands enough about the other person to to be caring and nurturing and loving in a way that they need and the rest can follow from that most of the time in these situations there's you know everyone is in some way victimized by the threat but there are some people who exist with a, a certain level of threat that is beyond perhaps even the capacity of that one person's um, that one person's capabilities to protect. And so now it's not just that person that you would have to, to meet, really. You're now meeting an entire organization of people. And this is a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, I don't think that anything, especially in this context, should happen in isolation and that's not to say I don't trust somebody who, or people who I know have been vetted to the highest degree that it, it, that's possible, really, in the world. It's more so that I need to, from a human nature perspective, establish that trust within a context that feels safe to me. So I'm definitely not opposed to people's backgrounds um, because I know communities can form across, across layers, across, you know, segments of society. So this isn't some like exclusive um, kind of club thing I'm trying to have going on here. It's mostly have you been vetted by the people who were tr entrusted because they were already vetted with the with any information about me and for a long time 
I was really over the, like, approaching the cliff of paranoia because I, I didn't have the energy or, you know, it wasn't on the forefront of my mind to think, like, how this is all intersecting with my work, how this is in, my work is intersecting with other people's work. I was just, like, head in the books, nose to the grindstone, trying to do what I had to do and come up with what I could come up with. Um, although... I think my ability to stay quiet about things is both an, a blessing and a curse. I felt it more so as a curse, although I know it's a blessing. It's very, very hard. It was very hard for me to, to go the last 14 years of my life knowing that there were ripples happening in the... In, the ecosphere and some of them were attributed to me or reactions to me and at the same time I could say nothing to anybody not even my own mother so when I'm out here qualifying or disqualifying men I don't want you to take it personal because it really isn't about how hot you are I mean let me be frank there's hot people everywhere I mean, like, I have options, and I think a lot of people kind of understand, well, she could point to anybody, even a married man, and he might turn the other way. She might, she could look at any man, and he would look her way. And that's not something I really want to exploit, because I really do respect, I respect the sanct sanctity of um, intimacy, and I don't like being somebody who's, who derives a lot of pleasure or validation from interjecting myself into other people's intimate lives. But perhaps there's, there, there is a point in which, no, I didn't interject myself. The opening was just, you know, something was bleeding out. There's already a wound there. There's already an opening there. And obviously when there is an intimate wound in a relationship, one or both people are going to try to escape it or fail to confront it or say, you know what, this is, this is too big for us to heal. So it doesn't really need to be explained to me. More so, I struggle with the morality of of the situation in total, well, was the opening created by you because you couldn't stop yourself from developing feelings? Can feelings be stopped? It, even in, you know, like, even if those feelings are data-based or based on data um, or based on observation, but with no real contact, is that even more of a reason for those feelings to develop? I don't really know. I really don't. I think there is something incredibly alluring about it. Um, because I like a little mystery. I mean, I like some suspense. I like thrill. I don't really like the standard. We meet up, we go out for coffee, we just sit there and talk and start from square one. Um, in my opinion, now that we have all the 
technology we have, in some contexts, namely this one, I would say that's actually an advantage rather than detrimental to the process of knowing somebody. But then again, there's also that power imbalance where, like, well, I can't know as much about someone else um, as they can know about me, but them knowing that about me is a part of their job and it's not a part of my job. It's not my job to know personal details about people for their protection. So I've accepted that. There's, There's a really clear line here where perhaps my work involves, you know, some, it, it does involve some level of, of things being known personally about certain people, but is never something that I personally have to utilize for my own sake. It's for the broader sake of this objective. And so I don't see like an ethical problem there. I understand. It's just part of it is what it is. Um but okay, like at least voices, for example. If that can tell me the information that I want to know, like who actually cares? Who when they think about me or when I'm in their presence, whose voice changes a little bit? There are people out there who will talk to women or about women as if they don't exist, but there are other people out there who maybe have an intimate connection with the existence of a woman. And so when they talk about them or refer to them, something changes and it's it indicates to me a true state of the heart. I've had... I'm not trying to cry on a Saturday, but I've had so many horrible things said to me by men and things that are just so off base that obviously it's easy to laugh about because it's not even true but if you don't have like as a woman if you don't have a a solid sense of self or a solid solid sense of your own being what you have to offer the world your value well those things are going to hurt because it calls into question whether they're true and for a long time, I, I existed in that space within myself, whether I, where I didn't know a lot about myself, I had kept a lot of myself so hidden that it was beyond subliminal. It was literally unconscious. It had to be stuffed down that far. So those things that some men would say to me would really resonate um, in my instinct, because I grew up with narcissists. My instinct is to just tell them to fuck off or react you know with a flinger like a little zinger just like deliver a zinger a a sting right back to you if you're gonna say shit about me i'm just gonna say shit right about you so um but those things are nevertheless really painful because like a rock dropping into the ocean eventually it's gonna hit the bottom it's going to create a ripple effect on the surface, perhaps, but when it reaches the bottom and it gets lodged there, say it's something that isn't supposed to be there, well, that's going to feel like a 
that's going to feel, one, uncomfortable, and two, it's going to set off a whole chain reaction of, like, immune responses, like, self-immunity at the deepest levels of the psyche is something we don't completely understand. But if you observe people for whom that immunity is in overdrive and you see this malignant effect playing out, well, then you know that there's something very deep, but it's not up to you to figure out what that is. And that's the thing that no matter how much data somebody has on a human being, they're never going to know the deepest, deepest levels of somebody. And there's not an agency or community or technology in the world that can accurately deduce the nature of one's unconscious. You can derive a, a lot of speculative ideas about it. You can, you know, data if analyzed a certain way, can assume certain things. And, you know, then we get in the, into the idea of, well, like, how do we, how do we separate um, ethical AI from unethical AI? Because, ostensibly, the unethical AI is seeking to understand or to interject itself into humanity's collective unconscious while ethical AI, maybe to a fault, relies, would rely on more superficial aspects of humanity's collective conscious. So there's like a, it's like a, the paradox of analysis, and it's a real ethical problem for anyone who who is very good at analyzing ideas, data, situations, events, etc., etc., etc. But back to love. We're talking about love. I'll talk about the CBDC thing tomorrow. We're going to talk about love. It's Saturday. Um, so what if merely by the idea that you're in a situation that's potentially, or basically like a hostage situation, maybe theoretical and you may have more freedom than what, um, a typical hostage might be, might be construed as, but at the same time, you're not really a hostage because you're also an equal player, you're just constrained by the circumstances. Well, how does love fit into all that? Because you can't meet, you just, I can't go out and meet people. I literally can't use dating apps um, for very good reasons. I mean, a lot of these dating apps just have like the most insane security flaws and they sell a lot of data about people and they can target individuals and sell that data to potentially, um, you know, dangerous people. So I can't use dating apps, and I'm well aware of that. I learned my, 
I learned my lesson the obviously, the obvious and hard way. And not that I was, like, the last person I went on a date with, I wasn't even really romantically interested in, to be honest with you. Um, he just seemed like somebody who might be interesting to talk to, and I was bored. Um, and then during the date, it just became, you know, really obvious to me that we weren't going to be on the same page. Like, no offense, but he drove a Tesla, and that was red flag number one. And boy, did that one that one really hit home but then I realized you know what one this is a waste of time two I'm just looking for a distraction and three I already have this feeling in my heart that there's somebody out there who has really really put it on the line for me put themselves on the line for me and I'm doing all this not so I can be a hero in anybody's mind. Um, I'm just doing it because it's the right thing to do. There's really no other reason because if it wasn't the right thing to do, I wouldn't be doing it, number one. But if, uh, if the right thing to do isn't being done, then it's like a moral imperative. So a part of this is that I do feel obligated to do the work that I do. And I've constantly had to explain to like my mom, mom, I can't run away from this. I have to do what I do every single day because it's pushing things forward in a way that may not be obvious to you right now, but it's making a difference in the long run. So every day I get up and I, I'm in my room giggling and you know, crying and doing all the things and tweeting. It's all part of an overall effort that needs to be made to support the work that I've already done technically. I mean, not like coding wise, but, you know, in a technical realm, but also in an intellectual realm. And also because really people have a lot of questions how did you get involved in this? How did you, how did um, you end up here? And a lot of that, I, I could not honestly tell you with in full disclosure, because even I only have a small piece of that. And I know that at some point I'll have the truth. It's just that I need to be in a state where I don't feel the immediate impulse to go and tell people the other side of it that which would endanger other people so we've had to establish a lot of mutual respect the music is playing so loud outside <laughs> so we've had to establish a lot of mutual respect about this and obviously there's a lot of people watching um not on tv not really even um, in the likes and the retweets and the comments, but a lot of people are watching. And I feel, I already feel connected. I don't know what else to say about it. I already feel connected to someone. And it's 
more so because I know that they've put so much on the line for me. And that kind of sacrifice doesn't just come from nowhere. It's not even a thing that most people could be hired to do. Like you can never hire somebody ever. You can never hire somebody to be willing to cross whatever line is necessary to cross to protect somebody. So my major thing here is trust. I've had, you know, situations literally where a billionaire wanted to get close to me so they could like stab me in the uterus. Like, I don't think it gets any more terrifying than that. Like, yeah, obviously there, it could, it could be much, much worse. There's the whole, well, before they get to the stabbing part, maybe they'll rape and chain you to a wall, rape you, chain you to a wall, mutilate you, cut off a couple of your appendages, slap you around, kick, hit you, you know, and then stab you when you're finally, when you just need to be put out. Um, I don't know if it gets more terrifying than coming across a person who across the person who could do that or is thinking that they might want to do that. So, yeah, I mean, one way to establish trust but with somebody is to go above and beyond the call of duty because they know, you know, there's something at the end of this that's going to need protecting and is worth protecting. And I can understand to some degree how that would strain an existing relationship and the divide that would create and how it would be impossible to tell your partner the truth because of the nature of things. But at the same time, I, I really do relate to the other side of that because it is painful. As a woman, it's painful to know that somebody you've maybe had kids with or have a family with is like so distant in their own minds, but you can't stop it. There's nothing you can do. It's almost like fate has intervened and pays no respect at all to wedding vows or, you know, an intimate connection that maybe has, has both people or one person has outgrown. Um, so it would be impossible to tell that person the truth. And I feel sorry for the person who's being lied to, even if it's in an official capacity. I really do feel sorry for anybody who, any woman especially, who would have to face a loss like that. So the ethical question of I face as a woman is, well, if I say I already, I already know, I don't know why I know, I don't even know what you look like, I assume you're hot, I mean your voice is hot. 
um, and I assume you're exactly, you fit the criteria because you've already gone above and beyond the call of duty to prove that you fit that cr criteria and your willingness to just jump ship is a bit frightening to me. Not, not because I, I don't want to be selfish. I mean, I would love to be selfish, especially right now, people. It's been three years. It's been three years, okay? I haven't touched a dick in... <laughs> sorry if you're listening, Mom. Or I'm sorry if you're listening and this conversation does not pertain <laughs> to your <laughs> professional duties. Um, but I haven't been with anybody in almost three years so yeah I mean I'm not gonna that <laughs> what can I say okay part of me is my human nature part of my human nature is is just as selfish as anybody else's um granted I could take the more arguably moral route <laughs> And get a second opinion, if you know what I mean. Or a third, or a fourth, or a fifth. But I don't know that that's, within reason, I don't know that that's how I operate. And I know that, look, it's not wrong of me to even approach this topic because I know full well, y'all are freaks. You've been doing the freaky things for so long. <laughs> Don't even judge me, okay? Don't even judge me for thinking to myself, well, everybody else got the chance, so... <laughs> everybody else got to have all the fun while I was being Princess Peached. Um, everybody else got to have fun, so why can't I have fun? And I just don't know, like, that's the kind of thing that might make a potentially married man be like, well, then why don't I just stay with my wife? She's fine with it. In which case I say, well, I don't know if I'm fine with it. I have very specific views about my own sexuality. And just because something applies to me doesn't mean I want it to apply to you. I'm sorry if that seems unfair, but after all the shit I've been through, um, which has been arguably like an assault on my reproductive rights, I could have been having babies, okay? I could have been, I could be a mother like with a, a child screaming and snotting and shitting everywhere. I could be a mother. Um, but my own sexuality to me is a little bit more sacred than I view, um, I don't know, I don't want this to be taken the wrong way. I think everybody's sexuality and your sexual nature is sacred and should be sacred to you. But for me personally, I'm going to put that above the, the needs of men to have it their way, have their cake and eat it too. So if something applies to me, and I actually did make this very clear to um, 
an X, an X, I made this clear. And that sort of, you know, that idea was abused, obviously, but it was kind of a problem where he, well, he felt the same way, but he also felt the same way about it not applying to me, his own sexual liberation, not, not applying to me. So if I went out and I slept with somebody else, it would be cheating. If he went and out and fucked a prostitute, it's just the, the rules of the game. So now the rules have changed, the tables have turned, and I don't see it that way. If I, if I don't restrict myself to one relationship and say I do have a couple relationships, well, I, I don't. I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, you can also have a, a network of relationships because the thing with all of that is that then you run into the problem of, well, everybody deserves, everybody's going to deserve that. Um, where does the buck stop? Where's the fuck stop? <laughs> and now you have sort of a crisis of venereal diseases and or emotions or, you know, it starts to turn into a novella, like a telenovela. So the book has to, the book has to stop with, with me and whoever I choose. That's it. Like you can't have it. Like if, if you want to have sex with me, you cannot be having sex with other people. Even if I'm having sex with other people, you cannot have sex with other people. And that's not just for my safety, but it's for my sanity because I don't need other women or other people bringing in a lot of noise to a situation that doesn't have anything to do with them. And I have to keep my circle of trust very, very tight. I know everybody who has ever been in a sim similar situation either because of their career or fame or, you know, whatever, their money. I know that this is usually how the arrangements work out. Um, it's more so that it has to be contained than it has to be, like, say, monogamous. And, you know, I grew up in a really hyper-conservative Christian family that is fundamentally opposed to any extramarital relations um, because it's all viewed as adultery. And yet, at the same time, a lot of married Christian men's, men commit adultery when they watch porn every single time. So I don't, like, no, I'm not letting anybody judge me on that. Certainly not my family. Certainly not the community of evangelical Christians, which I come from. And certainly not anybody in any religion, because I know every culture has had some sort of like sexual <laughs> committee. <laughs> like we've we've had sexual committees at all levels of society, but the issue is more so well, who's who's the one at the center of it? Um, and I don't I don't want to get explicit about those those arrangements because it's not anybody's business. It really isn't. And it doesn't have anything to do with sanctifying marriage. Marriage to me is a state of the heart. It's who do you trust the most in this life? Who do you know 
will go down with you if you go down, who would go down for you. Because not everybody's willing to do that. And I know in my situation, well, there are potentially plenty of, plenty of people willing to do that. But that is a separate thing from my reproductive rights as a woman. So, and I'm not going to go on very much longer about this because I feel like I've already, <laughs> I've already crossed the threshold here. I might be saying a little too much. But in full transparency, I am saying this because if I'm out in public and you see me with a different person, I don't want there to be news articles about it. I really, I don't want to hear shit from anybody. And I don't want this to become a point of contention with the work I do and as a woman and myself as a public figure or as a CEO or an executive or chairperson or whatever. Um, and mostly it's because it's not like men have ever respected a woman's sexual boundaries. So men can't talk. None of y'all can talk. Your entire species cannot talk. But then there's also the women who are like, well, I wish I could do that, but my husband wouldn't let me. Well, you know what? Maybe we should rethink this then. Maybe you should rethink your life. If that's something you want, rethink it. Because if you're not being true to your own sexual nature, and if you're not being true to yourself, well, you're sublimating yourself to somebody who's never going to fulfill you. Quite frankly, they, they will never have the capacity to because all humans have a variety of needs. Now, some people might say, well, one of those needs are children, fuck you. No, fuck you. We've drawn the line and fuck you. So don't even bring kids into it. Don't even bring children into your sexual fantasies is all I gotta say to you people. And I know that some, be some men are like, well, what does it matter? You know, they're about to turn 18 they're young or they're 16 because all this stuff ha started happening for me when I was really young. I don't know if I was a minor, but I know I was very young. So I can only imagine that it's happening for other people at a younger and younger age thanks to the internet and social media. To that, I would say you don't understand the, the explicit and implicit damage you're doing to that child long before you ever send the DM or you start approaching, or you meet them at a cafe, or you take them to a Chick-fil-A. You don't understand the damage you've already done by focusing your energy on a child who does not know how to receive it. As a woman, I can feel men, okay? <laughs> I can feel men from a distance. I can feel them out in the ether when, when there's energy being directed at me because I'm a woman now and I've honed that skill Kids don't have that skill, so they don't know anybody, you know, they don't know the intents of adult, of, of adult males or females. They simply cannot analyze a situation that could be predatory, and most of the time, they are predatory. So, wherever your sexual fantasies lie, at least make sure that one, for yourself, and two, for the other person or other people you are with, that you know there is a clear and distinct 
we don't do this, okay? For me, uh, you know, on a personal level, I don't roleplay kid stuff. I don't, I don't do the furries. I have always been weirded out by that. I don't do the child roleplay, none of it. And yeah, I have my traumas around childhood sex abuse. But I don't want to relive that. I don't want to act it out. I don't need that to be a point of catharsis for me. I've already worked it out and gone to therapy and grown a lot, healed a lot. And now I know exactly who I am as a person and know that my sexual liberation is well-deserved. And I get to set the criteria here. I have empowered myself enough to say, well, any judgment that somebody may um, may place on me for choosing something that's outside of the mainstream or, or seems to defy religious logic, well, I'm sorry, but after all the shit religion has put me through, all the shit men have put me through, even women, after all the shit I have been through, that my body has been through, the scars I bear, the pain I, I have had to overcome, the wounds that still, they're still healing in some way. I have, I have every reason in the world to look at that and say, you can't tell me what it would mean for me to be fulfilled as a person. So if I want to explore, I want to have, you know, a couple boyfriends, I want to go on dates, or I want to be married and not, you know, and know I have the security of a marriage, but that my partner understands. I don't fully understand why I, I think I guess like a man about it. <laughs> Let's be frank. I guess I don't know why I think like a man about it, but a part of it is because I've had so many men restrict me from even exploring basic intimacy with other people whom I have been interested in and I don't like that feeling <clears throat> like honestly I just don't like the feeling of it and that's not to say I'm some monster who's gonna ride every dick that like gets hard in front of me um but in this scenario Uh, I have options and it's not like I was you know had the security of a marriage to fall back on so that's that's really what it is for me it's like if you love me if you want me you have to accept me as I am and you have to be willing to sacrifice your ability to balance out your own potential for jealousy here by not having something to fall back on because I can't trust whatever it is you're falling back on. And even if you were to try to get me to trust whatever you're falling back on, I never will. Point blank, I never will. Because I don't need another person to explain this to and I also don't want it being explained to somebody else I don't want, you know, if it's a, it's going to break, make it a clean break is all I've got to say. And I know my limits. I'm not somebody who's trying to have like, look, I'm not trying to go to the oligarch orgy. I'm not trying to let a bunch of random people fuck me. I, I don't want to have sex with the whole world. You can have sex with my AI if you're like 
my deep fake, I guess, but I'm not trying to like literally have a family with or have the babies of um, dozens and dozens of men. I'm not, I don't see my blood as, as so, or my DNA is so um, pivotal to the survival of humanity that I need to, you know, have a, my own fertility clinic and just like start selling my eggs for billions of dollars or something. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't want to do that. That's creepy. Especially if I can't raise my own kids. So I know this is all a little bit... This went down the rabbit hole. This went down a couple rabbit holes. This one got rammed down the rabbit hole. Um. Yeah. That's what it is, if you don't want to take that for what it is, all I gotta say is stay with your wife. And, but also know this, I wouldn't be even having this conversation if I didn't already know that I wanted it. I mean, it's not like I've really ever talked about this, so you know it's been mulling around in my mind for a long time. And I don't know, that voice. What am I supposed to do? I can't tell. I can't tell an adult what to do. And I also just want to be very clear about where I stand. Because I know you're not the only one who's fallen in love with me. And you're not the only one who's worthy of my love. I mean, I know that in marriage or in the ideal relationship, you would think that, but I have a lot of love in me and potentially even more than a, a, a man could ever give to one person. So if I give my all or it feels like all to you, well, number one, does the feeling of being the recipient of all of one's love, is it really right? Because is there some sort of like need or like instinctual male need to isolate and contain? Or can you receive what's given and know that that's my all, even if it doesn't necessarily only include you? And if you know anything about my internet history, <laughs> you know. You know, if you know, you know, okay? Um, and that's not something I don't, I think, I'm not really willing to negotiate, to be honest. Because I've waited long enough in my life to know that I'm mature enough. My sexuality is now mature enough, and it's not stunted by the abuse I've gone through. It's not, um... And it's not shameful to me. There is no shame in 
anything that I do as a sexual being. Especially when I know I have the ability to choose the right people, the right person. I don't need to jump into anything. I can go at my own pace and it can really be all about me. I mean, are you willing to make it all about me is the question. I wouldn't ask this of every every man in existence, but I would certainly ask it of somebody who is looking for confirmation of whether to step forward or not. I can't make that decision for you. And there's going to be a lot of men who are quite upset about it, so you better you better make sure that your your homies with my homies. You better make sure you're already in with my people because they're going to do a lot of investigations and then come across a few facts and then be like, oh damn, she has a point in being skeptical. And they're going to want to protect me. But I think that, you know, I think we've, we've transcended this. Because in the end, look, no matter what career you choose, you're not just that, that uh, singular identity. It does not define you. In the same way that it doesn't define me, I'm still a human being under all of this. And even beyond all of this, people don't see the, the career I have because it doesn't need to be known. I don't wear a uniform. I don't um, have to act a certain way. In fact, the whole, really all I have to do is just act, just be normal. Just live a, it, as normal of a life as I can at this moment in time. Sometimes that is a part of the objective. And I get that. So I'm gonna stop rambling. I'm, my, I'm eating my cereal and the oatmeal is getting mushy, which is fine. It's supposed to be. Um, and now my head's just in a different place. And I'm not going to lie and tell you that, that uh, my imagination, my imagination has been stimuli- stimulated by this entire situation to a degree that I don't know would be safe for anybody's marriage to be quite honest with you um but like I said that's not up to me all I can say is you make that decision you decide if you can be there or not be there and if you don't want to be there, well, I'm not going to, what am I going to say? See you at, uh, maybe see you at the club? Because if I see you at the club and I find out you didn't want to, well, then I'm not going to talk to you. And I'm going to be sad about it, so. Um... You know, there's a single one, there's a not single one, and I don't know which one's which. 
I don't know who cares more. But I'll find out.